Greetings and thank you for tuning in to First Love Ministries with the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois with Reverend Jonathan Warren. Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Winning Team. Our liturgist today is Julie Berninga. The children's time is led by Addie Coltus. Our special music is A Clean Heart, performed by the Chancel Choir. Our scripture reading for today comes to us from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. And the gospel reading is taken from Matthew 5, 21 through 37. Thank you for joining us each week here at First Love Ministries at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois. We pray that the upcoming week is filled with success and good health, both emotionally and physically. God bless. The Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. Let us listen to the word of God. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to to something again, uh, your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body. To go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to 
next scripture reading comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Let us listen to the word of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready for you still are of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Wednesday, when we arrived to the Illinois College boys' basketball game, students were cheering, drums were pounding, and the stadium was packed. IC was playing Grinnell, and Grinnell's strategy was to run and play hard. So every few minutes, the coach would trade all five players at a time. It gave the players fresh legs, and it kept the game moving. But it wasn't enough to keep the Blue Boys from victory. In the end, they announced that Illinois College won their 20th game, which was the winningest season in all of IC history. 
It was such a fun game, and I know that I see, and others are excited to see if they'll break any other records. I'm sure you've guessed it by now, but I'm not a super sports kind of guy. There's a lot to see in here besides the action on the court for me. And one thing that caught my attention was the shirt that the IC athletes were wearing on the sidelines. It was a plain, long sleeve shirt, and it had five-letter word on it. It's quite obvious that the coach and the players all cared about this word, and my guess is that it was much more than just a word to them. The word on their shirt was unity. Certainly they had talent on the, start, on the starting lineup, but it was noticeable, even for a novice like me, that this team worked well together. They played to their strengths, they communicated, they listened to the coach. Even the players on the sidelines encouraged and cheered and were as much a part of the team as those on the court. Unity. It's interesting, this concept, unity, it's pretty much the definition of a team, right? In order to be a team, you'd think that unity would be a given. But Then why would this or any other team need such a visible Reminder, should they really need the words unity written on a t-shirt? Now, in the early church of Corinth, these new believers really wanted to learn and grow in their faith. However, this early church ended up wearing jerseys from different teams. One played for Team Paul, while the other played for Team Apollos. They thought that the leader, the rabbi they followed, would provide them the insight and faith they needed. Instead of seeking unity and working together in Christ, this church created factions, saying that Paul's teaching was correct. And still the other group followed Apollos' teachings. In his letter to the church, Paul compares them to children, calling them infants in Christ as they sought the wrong kind of wisdom from the wrong sources. Paul says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? These faithful followers of Christ aren't choosing unity. Instead, they're jealous, quarreling, they're picking different leaders, they're acting a lot like children. When Lydia was born, even though Hannah loved being an older sister, it was quite an adjustment for her. Every once in a while, we'd be doing something in the other room when suddenly we'd hear Lydia crying. We'd go running in we would find Hannah messing with her little sister Lydia. This went on for months and years. And then one day, I heard Lydia crying in the other room. Without looking up, I yelled, Hannah, stop it. Then I heard Hannah's voice right next to me say, what, Dad? I'm right here. And in that moment, I realized that Lydia knew how to play the game. And the younger sister figured out that all she had to do was cry, and boom, her sister would get in trouble. Hannah would occasionally tell us that it wasn't her fault when we came in, 
And now I was wondering how long this had been going on. Lydia, able to cry on command, our parenting skills got tougher. <laughs> now, it doesn't take long to figure out that unity isn't a given for most of us. In fact, we even encourage folks to pick sides all the time. On Super Bowl Sunday, we're either cheering for the Eagles or the Chiefs or Team Junk Food or Team Commercials or Team Halftime Show, right? Even though we live in the United States of America, it doesn't feel like we're very interested in being united these days. We see it this week as both sides jockey for position following the President's State of the Union address. And as advanced as, advanced as we are, it seems like we can't get past the simple stuff. We're still divided into groups like in the school cafeteria, divided by age and race, ability, class, background, sex, orientation, education. And I wish it were different for the church, but it happens here too. One scholar says, like the Corinthians, we place high value on technical skill in our preachers and teachers. We look for knowledge of Hebrew and Greek, Facility with exegetical technique, historical and theological expertise, and above all, an engaging speaking style. As useful as such skills are, Paul insists that the primary qualification for knowing God and understanding the gospel rightly is to be a certain kind of spirit-formed person, living a life that looks like Jesus. Now, I've spent lots of time studying, preparing, honing my skills. Even I want my sermons to be biblical, understandable, and most of all, engaging. But that's not what's important here. It can create competitiveness, can even push us toward division. So from now on, boring sermons only so that I can spend more time living a life that looks like Jesus. Now, as funny as that sounds, wouldn't that be better? We live in a world that encourages us to act like children, to prop up division and quarrels, jealousy, instead of unity. And even as hard as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this week is to hear, I'm sure Julie did not love reading that text. It's a hard one. Jesus says that anyone who hates is equated as a murderer. says that anyone who lusts, even in their hearts, is an adulterer. But what Jesus is really getting at is that we're all the same. When it comes down to it, we're all still human, no matter who we are. We're humans that don't know any better, humans that don't always choose unity, humans that are flesh. And so instead of thinking any of us are smarter or richer or better than the other, a man isn't better than a woman, rich aren't better than the poor, dark pigment isn't worse than light skin, our nationality, our religion, our way isn't better than another's. Apollos' way isn't better than Paul's way. 
Paul says, for when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe is the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. When it comes down to it, we're all on the same team. And when we're on the same team, then the shirt that we all should be wearing is unity. That's what makes for a winning team. Addie stole a little bit of what I was going to preach on. This year, the NFL player, Damar Hamlin, many of you know, collapsed on the field mid-game. And as his stunned family, teammates, and fans watched, Hamlin received emergency CPR. His team, the Bills, were playing the Bengals at the end of the regular season, and somehow out of this tragedy on the field, we saw a rare kind of shared purpose and our common hope for good news. Football fans from both teams, and then much of the country, rooted for Hamlin to recover. Damar Hamlin's recovery has an element of awe, with doctors saying that typically he shouldn't have survived. If statistics on cardiac arrests are any guide, Mr. Hamlin was dead when he fell to the ground, said Dr. Timothy Pritz. Hamlin belongs to an elite group of people who received immediate care when their hearts stop. The NFL has a contract with a level one trauma center with the highest level of care near every stadium. In this case, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center sends seven physicians to every Bengals home game. The center also sends paramedics, respiratory therapists, and an ambulance crew. Hamlin also belonged to dozens of people with an interest in saving his life and returning him to health. In the first few hours, a severe trauma patient like Mr. Hamlin is physically touched by as many as 50 people. By the end of the first 24 hours, that number swells to 100. The people of Cincinnati also claimed Hamlin, and while he was in the hospital, flowers and cards for Mr. Hamlin arrived by the truckload and donated meals were constantly being delivered. Fans attached posters to a chain-link fence outside. They flew balloons and held candlelight vigils. There were so many callers that the medical center hired additional operators. In the ultra-competitive NFL, Damar Hamlin found a place in the affections of the whole country. Now the truth is, we don't have to wait for a tragedy on the field to share unity. This week, uh, when an awful tragedy, this earthquake in Turkey and Syria, taking the lives of thousands upon thousands, we don't have to wait for something like that to share unity. We have the makeup of the winning team's formula to aim higher, yearning for unity, to live beyond our flesh, to not act like children, but to instead be spiritually mature. It's not always easy, but we can all attain this with God's help. 
Christ and Paul puts us on an equal feeding, feet, footing, and we're reminded that God is the primary agent in forming Christian disciples. And he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So I know my sermons aren't always going to be engaging. I want them to be. But it's okay if they're not. Our most important task as we leave today is to remember that we're all on one team. All of us. Not just the people here in this building. We're on God's team. Unity. And our task is to be more like Christ. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you found this podcast inspirational and would like to support the First Love Ministry programs at First Presbyterian Church, please send any contributions to First Presbyterian Church at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois. Our zip code is 62650. Our phone is 217-245-4189. You can contact our secretary there between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Our email is office at firstpresjacks.org. That's office at f-i-r-s-t-p-r-e-s-j-a-x dot o-r-g. Masks are now optional anywhere in the church. Our in-person church services start at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Access to our online church service starts at 9.55 a.m. You can listen to these live services on our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash first, F-I-R-S-T, P-R-E-S Jacks. You can join our Facebook group called First Presbyterians with a Purpose. We have a choir that meets from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday night and we welcome all who are willing to sing. We look forward to hearing from you either by email, mail, or phone. God bless And may you have a peaceful and safe year.